welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Who's, who's here for the very first time tonight? Anybody? Oh, good. First of all, welcome to all of you. Welcome to any of you that are new online. That applause you heard is the welcoming nature of this particular group. Um, so what we do here is a little different, perhaps, than other meetings of other fellowships you've attended. What we do here, we've done for lots of years now. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work with addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what we do here is not tell you what the book says, because that's none of my business what it says to you. But rather, what I'm going to try and do is show you how I find what it says to me, and then encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that happened? Very good. So again, if you're online, they raise their hands. But what they're saying is in 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a sensory experience, tangible. You will feel it. When you do, I will know. And I will call it to your attention because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? And tonight, we're looking at step four, and the room's reasonably full. So, so either the memo didn't get out or people are ready to get well. I don't know which. <laughs> so step four suggests that we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. First thing I would say to you is, who's we? The first 100. So every time they're talking about that, that's what they did, not necessarily what Someone else has done. And they told us last time where and how we find this power we call God. Where, do we, where and how? Deep down inside and how? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So then that leads us into this decision to start with a searching and fearless moral inventory of me. And that's where we grab the authors on page 63. Are we ready to go? Do you want to follow along in a book? Page 63, the very bottom of the page. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. So what I would ask you, how many of you have made an attempt at a fourth step at some time in your recovery journey? Good percentage of you. How many of you would describe your first attempt at a fourth step as something less than a launching? <laughs> so we launched. You didn't. That doesn't mean you. That doesn't mean something was wrong, but it may mean you needed an assist. Maybe you lacked power. Does it make sense? Because they're describing a collective experience. So it's just something to look at. If you, if you're working with somebody and they don't launch, then the reality isn't that they're not flawed. They have not sufficiently encountered power, and you're the vehicle of that power. So it's not about condemning, it's about encouraging, never discouraging, right? Okay, so, so it says that though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. How many of you suspected that? Alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine wasn't really the main problem. 
How many of you thought it was the main problem until you took it out of the equation and there still was a bit of a problem? Because abstinence wasn't the solution to my cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, fentanyl, alcohol problem. It seemingly helped the situation, but it didn't stay helpful, yeah? Okay. So we had to get down to causes and conditions, so it would make sense I would do a deeper dive if I've tried abstinence and that wasn't the solution for me. I was still restless, irritable, and discontent. Any of you relate to that? Okay. So therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. Sorry to read so long, but I have to capture it all and then we'll have to go back and deconstruct it, right? Because there's a lot of instruction in that little paragraph, but it lacks power unless we get through it and see what the business they're talking about, the business, and now we're looking at my life, the business of my life, right? And so they said they're going to do a couple things. They said this is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. How many of you have discovered, through an inventory or maybe not, that sometimes there is a difference between your truth, my truth, and the truth? So the, the effort here is to narrow the gap between my truth and the truth about me and not tainted so much about someone else's perception of me. Any of you suffer from other people's perception of you? <laughs> How is that possible that we do that? Huh. Okay. So one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If that's only one object, there must be another object. How many of you were told that your four-step inventory was just got to get that gnarly secret about you're only as sick as your secrets? That's only one object. You got told half the truth. Where'd they tell us the great reality was found? Deep down inside. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us, is what they said. So this is not a crap hunt, this is a treasure hunt. So don't quit digging till you find the truth about you. The truth, not your truth, the truth. Yes? Make sense? Okay. And then it says, if the owner of the business would be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestation. So they said they were convinced that self manifested in various ways is what had defeated them. So how many of you are convinced of self manifested in various ways is what defeated you? And how many of you are going, what the fuck does that mean? So they told us that we were driven by fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows. Remember, they did that after they'd done an inventory, and they were trying to help me get through mine. So they had discovered that about themselves, 
and self-manifest based on fear. I doubt who I am, or I doubt who you are, I doubt whatever, right? And I start thinking you're causing how I think and feel, or any of you ever had that happen? Okay. So that's what they mean, and I'm going to go in and look at what it means to me, because not all of us is different. In fact, although we have many similarities, we are unique. There's only one of you. You've been properly prepared for this moment. It would be good to reside in it. Right? Okay. So resentment is the number one offender. How many of you have had the experience of holding resentments? Did you find it less valuable than you'd initially thought? Well, what they found is it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. Now, this is the story of the first 100 and their observations, their experience with the first several thousand. So they had plenty of experience. How many of you have had a spiritual awakening as a result of steps and has worked with others? Good percentage of you. So we work with several before one sticks. So they know a little bit about resentment and how deadly it is based on what they've seen people experience. Yes? Okay. So from it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Isn't that interesting how they go the other way? When we go to the world to get our condition solved, they give us something else physical. But when we go to the divine to get our problems solved, our spirit straightens out and then our minds and our bodies follow. How many of you have had that experience? So it's, this is their experience. Most of us have, have done this, have had that experience. People that are terminal, that can't happen. There's a way, right? He made a way where there was no way. <laughs> and I believe I'm going to see it again. Um, we straighten out mentally and physically. In, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. How do, how do y'all usually deal with resentments? <laughs> or share them with our friends at work? Right? Any of you ever just unload on somebody? So they're suggesting instead of poison the consciousness, put it on paper. Let's begin the process of taking the trash out, huh? Okay, so we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. So that's a simple list. Instead of telling your friend about the people, institutions, or principles you're currently angry at, put them on paper. It's a list we can all make at the water cooler. Simple list. Okay, we ask ourselves why we are angry. It's a good idea to do these one at a time. There will be commonalities, but you'll have the unique experience of finding out why you're angry in each situation, right? and what that manifested, okay? So in most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. How many of you have had that experience? The, the closer the relationship, the deeper the hurt? Did you find it hard to find your part in the hurt you were experiencing without someone helping you? Did you still have some that you just could not find it, but as you moved in your walk and started serving others and have some of those experiences? Yeah. Okay. So you get what they're talking about. Self-esteem is the idea I want to hold about myself. If I feel like you diminished me or I 
feel like I don't belong and I want to belong, that's going to affect my self-esteem. Or if I feel like I should be better than that and I have to go. And have you ever had to take a job you thought was less than you? But you took it anyway because you were afraid not to take it? Then you went in and treated them like, fuck you. For <laughs> but I was incapable of being honest with myself, right? Yeah. All right. So when, when they... Uh, okay. Ambitions, you get what ambitions are? Ambitions are... are a desire for a future outcome. So if, if I get too caught up in thinking I'm deserving of something and then you get your promotion and I think you stole mine from me, I'm going to spend a lot of my life in grievance while I should be in celebration for my brothers and sisters' successes. Right? Just because it's an easier way to live, not because it's right. It's just it's easier to be celebratory more of the time than in grievance all of the time. Okay. And then personal relationships, including sex. So you guys get all of that. How many of you concluded, based on your relationship history, that you just weren't ever going to get close to anyone again? Did you find out the pain did not go away? So the problem was never what was going on, but our thoughts and the emotions they drove, right? Okay. So on our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations which had been interfered with? I'm going to jump to the bottom of the page. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. So what do you think they meant by that? Yeah, it didn't, doesn't really matter my perception or my reasons or what have you. What really matters is what happened, what did I experience as a result, and what did I do to them, and what did they experience as a result, right? Okay, when we were finished, we considered it carefully. Why would they do that? How many of you, when you looked at it and considered it carefully, saw your part in it and the grievance you'd held on to for a long time seemed less harmful in light of... Any of you have those experiences? Okay. So the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. How many of you have discovered that little factoid? <laughs> so, most of us. How many of you discovered it today? <laughs> so that's really not an earth-shattering discovery that people are wrong. And, and, and we're really not here as servants. We're here to coach, not to umpire. Right? And we've got to remind ourselves of that. So to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Have you ever had that happen to you? Did you, did you forget who wronged you first? Sometimes I'll wake up and I'm just feeling wronged. And there's no one there. <laughs> Some of you have had that experience, I take it. <laughs> and pretty much any target will do at that point. <laughs> Call me to wish me well. I dare you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. How, how many of you have discovered that you were human, and you were an imperfect 
perfection in the making? Did you spend a lot of time on what was imperfect and less on the unfolding? Was it useful? No, it's a learned experience that holding on to that and dragging that baggage is of no value. Tell someone, move on, right? Okay. So, but the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. Do you understand what they're talking about? Have you ever won a victory in your mind and then it didn't feel so victorious? And then you started thinking about, you know, I was really a dick in that instance. <laughs> so it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Is that clear to you? And for those of you that, that can't honestly and unequivocally say yes, it's because maybe you haven't been through the process. And remember, the process is a manner of living. Until you take your experience out and use it to help another, it's still going to have some of the same meaning. The process of moving in divine forgiveness is to repurpose our suffering. Right? So don't stop at four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or because it's all one, right? It's all one manner of living. Help the next guy keep helping until your healing comes. Okay, so to the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? How many of us did not know that we permitted them? That's a pretty common discovery, is that we didn't know that we were permitting this to happen because I didn't want to permit it. I was miserable for years and didn't know I played the major role in it. Lots of years. And I'm not alone. The Eagles wrote, wrote a song and played it years ago. My age is showing. So oftentimes it happens that we live our lives in chains and we never even know we hold the key. So if they've known it that long and before that, so, but with alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. Any of you here that have concluded you may be an alcoholic or an addict? Okay, so this is the part we want to pay attention to. <laughs> but with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, so I need to internalize that, because that's not going to be about those old ideas and the heroic gestures. That's going to be about growing in the spirit, in this tangible power we call God around here. Okay? So we found that it's fatal for when harboring such feelings we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again and with us to drink is to die. How many of you have had the experience of using again after a time of... Did you notice how you physically did not die but spiritually just kind of an empty shell? So it's not theories. We know some, some physically die too, obviously. Um, so if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. So when they talk about grouch, that, that's an old English word. It means what it sounds like it means. I'm wandering around griping. Any of you do that? <laughs> me too, and it sucks. I don't like me when I do that. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you ever been that guy? How are you doing today? Okay, for Monday. There's one coming every seven fucking days. <laughs> Might want to get a grip. 
And the brainstorm were not for us. What's brainstorm? Yeah. You guys ever get a bright idea and then launch out on a course of vigorous action? <laughs> Didn't fully contemplate the outcome? Come on, none of you have met him or her? Or that thing you couldn't live without? How many of you went out and did a little retail therapy? Got a bright idea. This could be a business idea. <laughs> or it could be a sudden fit of rage. But those things will, will seed our resentment. Does that make sense? So we're, we're, remember, we're looking for what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now. And if I'm not radically changed from what I was like, then I'm in trouble if I'm really this guy, right? Okay, so we turn back to the list. So it says, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. It may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. We turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. So what is the key to the future? The truth, right? The truth, the path. Yeah? The power. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. What they tell us alcoholic insanity was? An appalling lack of perspective an inability to think clearly. So when we're sharing with another, when we're growing in the spirit, we're starting to see things from a different perspective. Have you ever noticed when you started looking at it from another's point of view, your world got bigger? Logically, that's what's going to happen, yes? Okay. So the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? They got a question mark, so they're assuming I'm going to be wanting to know the answer to that. Okay, you got me here. The wrongdoing of others fancied or real. How much do you imagine the wrongdoing of others is fancied and how much is real? I don't know the percentages. You may be a spiritual giant. <laughs> For me, I'm probably about, I don't think any of you think about me quite as often as I think about me, so I'm, I'm figuring 98% is fancied. But for the 2% that's real, it's killing me too. Because I'm not suffering from what they did or what they said. I'm suffering from my thoughts about what they did and said. And that's what's going to kill me. So whether I drag it forward is, again, where I'm permitting the squandering of ours. So, so how could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. But how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So how many of you have tried to wish away your resentments? How many of you didn't think it was that big a deal? Some of us just go, well, fuck them. <laughs> we do. We, we, we're not paying attention. This is their experience, not mine. I don't know whether I'm a cannot or a will not, but I do know this. When I twist off, I quickly become a cannot. And that won't happen until I'm already past the point of no return because it's the insanity of the first drink, not what happens after. Okay. So this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. So that would, that would require that you had encountered power and that you were trying to grow spiritually. Otherwise, you'd never consider that other people were spiritually sick. So they're going to start telling us some, some tools they've learned. How would I know that they were spiritually sick? How would I recognize spiritual sickness? Because I'm armed with the facts about me, who's an expert in spiritual sickness. 
Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That's what drives me. Yes? Okay. So we did not like their symptoms, and the way these, dis these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So now they're telling me, those people are mirroring for me what I got going on. There's another book that says, how can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better that you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. The plank in my eye is perspective. That's very old wisdom, but it's pertinent today. If I'm judging the current moment, and I'm saying you and your entirety are what I see you doing in this current moment, I'm misjudging. I need to get that out of the way to see what's up. Yeah? Okay, we, we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. They said a prayer. Half of them were atheists or agnostics, but they asked God for power to show tolerance, pity, and patience as if this was their friend. And they experienced power to be kinder than they felt. Have you ever had that happen and never had anyone explain it to you? You don't have to believe in what people call God as long as you believe in power and you start asking the power to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And when you offend, my immediate response at the cellular level is to rip your throat out. So when that doesn't happen, I have gained access to power greater than me. True? And so apparently it's happened to some y'all. Okay. So why would I say this prayer just this way? So I could grow in the spirit. So I'd know that prayer works. Better men than we are using it constantly, they tell us later. Okay. So when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? Now, if you ask that question and you mean it, you're going to get an answer. And it may not be an audible it may be you acting different than the you that you know. How many of you had that happen? It happens a lot. You see it around the fellowship all the time. Because we, we can be cantankerous. <laughs> God save me from being angry, thy will be done. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. Does it sound like they had an argument going in their head? How many of you were trying to be nice, asking for power, but they kept not being nice? We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. If they know is what we know today, you cannot help someone you're judging. So you can either pretend you're helping them and go ahead and judge, or you can ask God to remove your judgment and really be an instrument of healing. And when you do, the healing they need flows through you. And even though you don't know the healing you need, you will receive it. It's just a fact. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. And that would stop my suffering. So claim that promise, if nothing else. Even if I'm not able to be helpful because they're just so out in their disorder, I can take a kindly and tolerant view, which means I don't suffer past the encounter. Yeah? That would be handy, because I've suffered past lots of encounters. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Referring to our list again and putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. When they use a word like resolutely, you think they had to like yank their head around? <laughs> How many of you had to do that? How many of you did a four step and someone said, now find your part? I don't have a part. <laughs> okay, well then go get me whoever's inventory this is, sweetheart. 
Because if you don't have a part, we're, we're spinning our wheels here. And that doesn't mean you caused the harm, but if you're dying of the harm after you've survived the harm, then you're dying of your unforgiveness. You're not dying of what they did, you survive that. And you're never going to be able to employ it to help somebody else until you get into a forgiving place about it and acknowledge it as preparation. Okay. So we resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Any of you? <laughs> Notice how they always chase it back to the fear, because fear drives it all. So you were never selfish before. You were afraid. And you're so numb to the fear that you, you know, right? All kinds of aberrant behavior is driven by that. You don't have to do chemicals to have aberrant behavior. Okay. So though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and we're willing to set these matters straight. So you'll know if you got it, if you're willing to set the matter straight by the time you get it on the list. And what I would suggest to you is you may not be able to see the part you played until later as you go out and help more people. And people drive us through our steps. So when you're taking somebody else through theirs, they're gonna give you a little revelation. And then you'll see, you know, I was kind of that way, right? But anyway, um, Willingness to set matters straight is indication of righteousness greater than me operating through me. Just understand that. Because I've never been willing to set things straight when I thought you wronged me. Okay. So notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside difficulties for Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve, but did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? So they want us to go all the way back to when I started running in fear of your impression of me or whether I could do something or whether I was going to fail at something or when I failed at something, what you were going to think of me as a result and chase it all the way back. Any of you ever behave badly in one thing and then just tried to extricate yourself from everything else because you just didn't want to look anyone in the eye. Have you just been trying to block consciousness in all kinds of ways? Yeah? Have you, how many of you have tried to change yourself so that somebody who you wanted to like you would like you? But you didn't like you. So now you're starting to act like someone other than you. They still don't like you, and now you really don't like you. <laughs> Self-manifesting in various ways. Does it make sense? We don't believe we're insane, but when we unwind it, it's pretty fucking loony. <laughs> so, all right. But did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We reviewed our fears thoroughly, we put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. Did you guys identify fears that you had no resentment in connection with that seemed to just drive you? How many of you had the fear of missing something? 
That, that manifested in me sitting in bars night after night with just me and the bartender closing the place down. So sick, I couldn't hardly sit in the place, but I didn't want to leave because I might miss something. <laughs> How many of you had the really good relationship, real healthy, but you couldn't commit? Because D1 might come along. How many of you had a really great opportunity, but you didn't act on it because what if I did that? That would mean this. And if I did that, what if? Just give me another drink. <laughs> it's going to require me getting off this bar stool way too soon. So, so we ask ourselves why we had them. So the reason you want to identify the fears that have no resentment. How many of you have had a diagnosis of depression? How many of you have suspected depression? So whether you had a diagnosis or your action, you know, it's anger without enthusiasm. So, so you're going to, you know, you're just mad at you. You're not mad at anybody, right? Maybe you're not mad at all. Maybe just lack of power is your dilemma. Okay, so wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? You had to ask yourself that. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So now when they do that, did self-reliance fail me in those cases? Did I, did I give up too soon? Or did I not even try? Or any of those things operative here? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. How many of you have accomplished great things relying on your wits? And then you just got out above your skis a little bit and then got spooked instead of carrying on? No, any of you ever done that? Or just got, screw it and... I'm going to quit before they find out I'm not really what I said it was. <laughs> Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So they're not suggesting that everyone had the same experience. They're saying sometimes we get overly confident, and that's not appropriate, and sometimes we think too little of ourselves. How many of you have had a diminished job and stayed in it even knowing it was diminished because you just felt like you deserved a diminished job. I, I hosed it for so long, and I've lived that life. It's a terrible life, but I've done it. So perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. When we say God, what do we mean? Power. power. It's interchangeable to us, right? In recovery, power is God. That power, which is God, that's what they say. Okay, so we trust infinite God rather than our finite self. So if you get a theological meaning to that and it turns you off, we trust infinite power rather than our finite selves. That should appeal to a logical mind. Because of course we do. We've been power seekers all the way to our chairs. <laughs> Why, none of you ever took a hit of something and power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in? Okay, so we're in the world to play the role he assigns. How many of you have to admit at times it feels like you got kind of a crappy assignment? Because sometimes the preparatory seasons are difficult. But it isn't about why me, but why not me, and who better to play this part than me? Who better to play your part than you? 
This is what's going to arm you with the facts about the truth about you, who you are and whose you are, and you'll know you've been prepared, and then you'll be able to witness to those facts. Yes? How many of you have survived 100% of what shit you've gone through up to now? How many of you would bet on anyone else getting through all that shit? No chance. You're a waymaker, baby. Okay. Okay, so just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? So that's a good promise to cling to, too, guys. Calamity with serenity. Yes? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. So we're laughing at the silly idea that someone like me of my own power could do anything. Because someone like me has proven what I can do. I got on the proverbial scrap heap of life, and there I lay until this power snatched me up. And that's a fact. And that power has taken me places that I would have never dared dream to go, because I never knew I wanted to go where I ended up. And yet, I'm perfectly good given the credit because it, it would be a lie to do anything else. Okay, so the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. So the operative question is not, what do I do, what do I do, because you're not the doer, I'm not the doer, I'm the being. Remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be, and it'll usually be, be still. Right? Be faithful. Be loving. Be kind. It'll be because I'm a being, not a doing. Okay. All right, so now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation, and then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. So I wanna, I'm going a lot of reading, but how many of you have found yourself in both camps? You ever come out of a tough relationship and you're like, procreation only. <laughs> and I'm out of the procreation game. And then you found one that was exciting again. Not enough of it, not the right kind. More whips, more feathers, chains. Flavors. <laughs> so if you found yourself on both sides of that equation, they said us alcoholics are a little extreme. When you're, when you're on both sides of the equation from time to time, that's sometimes a picture of being a bit extreme. Um, so they see a significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare. The other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. I wanted to get to the, what the we does. They talked about all us humans in general, that one way or another we've got these proclivities 
And what these guys learned is, I'm not going to get involved in that shit when it ain't my shit. <laughs> right? And they, they were so convinced, we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. Second time they said that, which means they must have needed practice. <laughs> How many of you have seen somebody doing something that just really made you mad? How'd you know what they were doing? Was that someone you were scoping on, or what? <laughs> or were you protecting that little filly? Come on, tell me. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Huh? <laughs> we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? So look, I'm in no position to judge. I dare to say most humans are not. And even if you were in a position to judge, judgment is not as useful as you think. You're not going to be helpful, you're not going to solve the situation, and you're not going to be able to help anyone in that situation. Right? Okay, so what can we do about them? What can we do? I don't know what we can do, but I can see what they did, because they're weak. Right? So what they said is, we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. So bring it back home. All you know is your perception. You don't have a clue what's going on. You don't know how they think or feel. You don't hardly know how you think or feel. So bring it home, and let's see what's up. So where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. For those of you who haven't been shown, this is the essence of your 10th step for a lifetime, right? In the middle of, you know, so on the fly you'll be doing this too. The inventory on paper is going to show you how your self manifests when you perceive wrongly, or even rightly, and hold on to grievance, yeah? Okay, so um, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. How many of you would like to have a safe and sound ideal for a future sex life? <laughs> Eight of you. <laughs> and the rest of you are lying. <laughs> it's not all about sex anyway. It's about future relationships. How many of you would like a safe and sound ideal for all future relationships? See, this is what we don't pitch this step hard enough because no one in their right mind, having lived in the human experience any length of time, would not want a sane and sound ideal for all their future relationships. And that doesn't mean you'll get the power to carry that out. You'll have to grow into that too, but at least they'll be yours. The ideals will be grounded in you and your relationship with your creator if you do what they did, regardless of your beliefs. Does that make sense? Because half of them were atheists or agnostics. They still came out with the same experience. They didn't remain atheists or agnostics, guys. They gained access to power. But anyway, it says we subjected each relationship to this test. Was it selfish or not? How many of you have discovered you're not very good at determining your own selfishness? <laughs> so when you start moving unselfishly, you'll know evidence of a power greater than you operating through you. Righteousness not your own. You will. How many of you have been surprised of the shit you passed up when you knew you should not. Because Joe says, are you crazy? And, yeah, okay. Four of us. <laughs> we ask God to mold our ideals, so what's God going to do when he molds our ideals? If we'll stay in prayer and meditation, he'll help us come up with a strategy that is less self-imposed, yeah? To help us live up to them. 
I'm going to need power to live up to them. How many of you have made decisions and then thought you'd overreacted? Regards spending money or, okay, so I'm going to not only need an ideal, but then I'm going to need power to live up to it, yes? Okay. And so we remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. Why must we be willing to grow toward it? A lot of people read that like a rule, but they've already told us it's suggestive. It's not a rule. See, I can't grow spiritually unless first I believe God exists and that he's a rewarder of my faith, right? Or that's a biblical reason. What these guys learned is, you know, willingness is divine power. If I don't have the willingness, I need to ask until it comes. So same, same experience, but I must be willing to grow toward it or I wouldn't have done this inventory and uncovered this crap in the first place. I hear that all the time. I don't want to dig up that old stuff. I said, that shit's blocking you from your high. You got to get the all that crap. There's got to be a pony in there. <laughs> right? Treasure hunt, not trash hunt. And the, the treasure, if you don't even encounter the power, which you will do, but when you start to get a sane and sound ideal for all your future relationships, you will suffer less. Okay. So we must be willing to make amends where we've done harm. Why do they say must there? Same deal. It's a no-brainer. Why would I have gone this far if I wasn't willing to grow? I'm willing to grow, and I'm willing to make amends in order to grow. When I go out and make that approach, it's going to make my ego subordinate to my spirit. Yeah? Okay. Provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So this is where we, get, we make it all about sex and a whole sex inventory, but that's not what they said. It's just one of a multitude of human problems. And a lot of people get focused on sex, but we got other problems. We misplace our identity with worldly things. Any of you ever just wanted a job so you could feel happy? You get the job? Not so happy? <laughs> so your value doesn't come from what you do. Your value comes from who you are and whose you are. And once you know that, it doesn't matter what you do. Right? How many of you have learned that lesson? Okay. So how many of you have had other problems other than sex and alcohol? I used to have guys that would go to the halfway house, and then when they'd get paid, they'd, they'd, they'd say, hey, they're going to give me my money this week. I'm all caught up in rent. Will you hold my money? No. But I'll inventory that money with you, because right now money's your God. Have you ever got high when you did not have money? Oh, yeah, hell yeah. You ever got high when you had money? Okay, well, money got nothing to do with it. Right? I've had the guy with the bracelet. They're taking my bracelet off. I'm afraid I'm going to get high. Okay, let's inventory the bracelet. You ever got high when you were incarcerated? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> you ever been high when you were on community corrections? or on? Oh, yeah. Okay. The bracelet's got nothing to do with shit. But it's not enough for me to know it. You need to know it, right? We need, they need to know it. Any other relationship. Okay. So in other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. How many of you skipped that step? How many of you had a, somebody that was trying to help you, told you what you're going to do in each specific matter? 
Because remember, you're dealing with other flawed humans, and sometimes we tell people what they should do, even though we did a whole step to never tell them what they should do. Their faults are not discussed. But you think everyone's fit, and they're not. They're still victim to the delusion of control, and now they're trying to control you. So it's a good idea for you to be grounded. I'm not saying don't take suggestions. I'm saying nobody knows what you need to do but you and your creator. The answers for you are in you. And it really doesn't matter my opinion on what you should do, because you got a funny way of doing whatever the fuck you want to do anyway. <laughs> so we skip the step of asking God what we should do in each specific matter, and then maybe we run it by, you may pray with somebody and, and see what answers you get. That would be an AA thing to do. Some of you are going, that sounds weird. But I know, but, but we, if someone told us that we get dope at the other end of that, well, no problem praying then, was there? Okay, I'd do anything for the right? How many times you've been blessed down at the QT when you handed them a 20? You think that was going in the confessional, or where do you think that was going? Um, not if you gave it to me. Anyway, so the right answer will come if we want it. So they're talking about how many of you received the right answer? and then took it back for an appeal. <laughs> and how many of you knew the right answer and you got a confirmation and you moved forward confidently? That's a, that's a good experience too, right? It's, it's not always funny, but as we grow in the spirit, sometimes if we're praying first and we're asking, what we're waiting for is confirmation and not from the world, from creator. When I get confirmation from the creator, then it really doesn't matter your opinion, we're going. Right? Okay. So God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. So how would I let God be the final judge? I'm still going to have to go back in prayer and meditation, right? Later they're going to tell me the manner of living requires prayer, meditation, prayer. Pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated or doubtful, pray. In other words, pray ceaselessly. Get some information and take it in prayer. See what happens. So we realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. So how many of you have gotten yourself involved in something and you were sure you were in the right thing and someone else was telling you you were in the wrong thing and then you followed through on it and as it turns out, it was okay. Because that happens too. That's why we're not to be the arbiter because it's none of our damn business. How many of you have seen them go turn into a shit show? <laughs> Me too. How many of you have been part of the shit show? <laughs> Once again, terrible judge. Okay, so we avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. It's a question, how many of you have been driven by the fear that you're gonna choose something and it's not gonna be right? Did it stop you from moving forward? Remember they said fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. So you had the right answer, you had the confirmation, you're afraid to move forward. Okay, so that's why we want to grow in the spirit, so we, we're moving in that confirmation, yeah? Does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so. How many of you have gone to fellowships for support and got a lot of bad advice and were crushed by it? So don't be that guy and don't judge them either because they're doing what they've been shown, right? 
But the point is, we're not supposed to get our guidance from the world. We're supposed to get our guidance from Creator. So all they're doing is waking me up to the disturbance within me. And then I can get the right answers because the answers for me are in me. Yeah? Okay? Does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but it's only a half truth. It depends on us and our motives. Who knows your motives? Yeah, and Sean says God and him, and I, I suggest that at least in some instances, God alone. Because for me, I, I had a sincere desire to stop doing harm and doing the using and all the things I was doing long before I could demonstrate any outward manifestation. So my motive was known only to the creator, and my preparation was this seeming inability to ever nose out of it. Anyway, some of you have felt that, that, yeah, some of us have lived that. It's awful. What's wrong with me, right? Yeah. So if, if, <clears throat> if we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. If we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. The first 100, their experience with the first several thousand, we just have to take on, this is what they, they learned from their own experience, right? Okay. So to sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal. Earnestly pray. It sounds like they had to spend some time and effort. How many of you, when you really wanted to grow spiritually, you weren't putting on a show for anybody, and you really got into some deep, prayer, trying to get answers. Are you almost frustrated that the answers weren't coming? We earnestly pray. So you're on a path of growth, and sometimes we're so busy asking we don't realize we've received. So hang in there, keep doing what you do, but don't be shy on this matter of prayer, right? Okay, so, so for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. So if you're completely obsessing about any kind of relationship, going and seeing what someone else needs is the, the answer. We used to tell people just get to a meeting, but I would suggest the meeting isn't going to help you so much as go find someone you can help. If it's on the way to the meeting, do that. Or if when you get to the meeting, find the person that's not looking like they're having a good time. But you've got to get out of self, and you can't get out of self by talking about yourself. I don't give a fuck how many times you hear that nonsense. <laughs> we just need to help people, man. And we get out of ourselves when we help people. When you think of another's, a window opens into your consciousness and allows new power to come in. Okay? So we, we think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. If we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. How many of you have had that experience? How many of you have done more than one? How many of you weren't able to do it all in one sitting and had to do several sittings? How many of you weren't able to write it down at all and someone else had to write it for you? My point is to you, there's no wrong way, there's just not starting. And if you're going to show people, these guys showed us a way to do it. I've, I've sat with people. I couldn't write. When I went through my first inventory, I was shaking too bad from delirium tremens to write. Um, and I was still hallucinating some part of the time, and the dude wrote for me. 
And if he hadn't, I don't know what would have happened, but I do know that the result is that I didn't leave and I always left. Okay, so we've listed and analyzed our resentments. We've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. So they're talking about beginnings. A lot of times people say, well, I've finished my steps. Well, it's a manner of living. It's not a workbook exercise. So step 12 is I have agreed, as long as I have a breath, I will use it to advocate for my brother or sister. So if you're still sucking my air, you have not finished your steps. Does it make sense? We got to help people understand this. It's a manner of living. It's not, I did my steps. So what the hell does that mean? Okay. Okay. So we have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. Once again, I'm just commencing to see my resentments and their terrible destructiveness. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look upon them as sick people. So I'm growing in the spirit, and I'm learning to love my enemies. And if you love your enemies, then you have no enemies. And anyway, so we've listed people we've hurt by our conduct, and we're willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Notice how they didn't say meetings did for us, books did for us. Faith did for us, and they had faith in tangible power. They went to such great lengths into to talk about the encounter of power. We don't expect you to believe in anything you haven't experienced. So if you haven't experienced the power we speak of here tonight, ask us. We'll be happy to help facilitate that encounter. Um, we're now convinced that we hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you've already made a decision in an inventory of your grosser handicaps, then you've made a good beginning. So I've gotten armed with the facts of my, about myself as I now know them. I've asked for power to go out and start making amends. I'm going to grow in prayer and meditation. I'm going to go try and carry this message to alcoholics. They will expose to me my old ideas. And if I continue to do that, I'll, I'll continue to get free. Yes? That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. So the only other thing I would say to you about this chapter is this isn't a book on how y'all ought to behave. This is a book on how if I will try and behave, it won't mind bother me so much how y'all behave. So that's the thing. You want to you have your own book. You want to have your own experience because the freedom is in the experience. Right? Okay, thanks so much.